something that sometimes goes, yeah, you can clap for them. Go ahead. Go ahead. But sometimes something that goes unnoticed is all the work that Megan puts into picking just the right songs to go along with the passage that we're talking about. There's a lot of work that goes into that. Daryl was just talking about how she seems like she picks the right ones every week. I said, yeah, that's why we hired her, because that's why she does it. So, um, by the way, today is the six-month anniversary of Grace Life Sarasota. I don't know if you know that. Yep. Which begs a question, what are you people still doing here? It's amazing. It's very humbling, and it's very exciting. Um, my name is Joe Davis. I'm one of the pastors here. We're continuing with our series on Jesus in Genesis. Uh, it's not working. Just put that on for me. Jesus in Genesis. Uh, we've been doing this series. This is week 13. Uh, let me go back. There we go. Today, we're entitled this message, Rejected, Accepted. Genesis 37, 23 to 28. Before I read that, let me give you a little bit of background on this. This is a story about a guy named Joseph. And um, he was the great-grandson. We've been talking about Abraham and Isaac. He's the great-grandson of Abraham, the grandson of Isaac, and the son of Jacob. So you guys get the flow of where he is now. And he's one of the most historically confirmed figures of the Old Testament. There is more archaeological and extra-biblical evidence that Joseph existed for him than any other person in the Old Testament. And what's interesting about Joseph, he's a very key link in the genealogical tie to David and Jesus from the line of Seth, from Adam and Eve. He's only three generations removed from the covenant that God made, the promise that God made to Abraham. Therefore, because he's so important and he's this part of this line, he's so important that this, the enemy, Satan, targets him throughout his life. He tries to kill him, destroy him, remove him from his family. And the reason for that is there are so many things about Joseph's life that make him an unmistakable picture of Jesus in Genesis. He's such a great biblical figure. He's actually, if you think about it, he's so amazing, but he might be, and Daryl, he might be one of the most underpreached characters in the Old Testament. Noah gets a lot of street cred. Abraham, we talk about him a lot. Adam and Eve, Elijah. But Joseph is actually one of the most amazing stories. And so because of that, in the not-too-distant future, we're going to do a Life of Joseph type of series, and it's going to be great. I can't wait for it. But we're not doing that today, don't worry. It's just, just one story. The next three weeks, we're going to deal with a couple of highlights from Joseph's life, starting today with the day that he was betrayed and rejected by his brothers. So I'm going to read the passage to you in Genesis 37. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe that he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into a, a, a cistern or a pit. And by the way, I saw one of these cisterns when I was in Israel a few years ago. They're probably 60 feet deep. This is where they would store water during the, during the dry months. It's like deep. It's not like a small, it's deep. Now the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. See, I didn't lie to you, I told you. In verse 25, as they sat down to eat their meal, so they throw them in the pit and they have dinner. It's pretty dark, isn't it? When they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. And their camels were loaded with spices and balm and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. So these are businessmen. These are people who are buying and selling. They're merchants. Judah says to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother? Because they threw him down there to kill him. 
What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, so we can't kill him. Let's just make him a slave. Very nice of them. He's our own flesh and blood. We can't kill him. Let's just sell him. And his brothers, yeah, that's a good idea. We're good people. We're not going to kill him. We're going to sell him to these Ishmaelites. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. So let's look at the history of this passage. We like to look at the passage in three ways. The history, what about man, what did he do, why did he do it? Theology, what about God, what did he do? And then the devotional, what, what do I do? First of all, he was rejected by those closest to him and betrayed. See, there is these jealous brothers. They know that Joseph is special. They know he's important and they hate him for it. They plot to kill him, but then they decide, you know, because they're good guys. No, we're not going to kill him. We're going to sell him as a slave. Immediately after they cast him into the pit, they're having dinner. While he's down there, guys, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you throwing me down there? Shut up, we're eating. That's really what's going on here. They have no problem with sitting down to a meal after they throw this guy into a big 60-foot pit. The brothers later recall in the story in, in the Bible, they later recall how they ignored his cries of mercy from the pit while they were eating. Later on, when Joseph actually has mercy on them, they say, when we threw you in the pit, you were crying for help, and we didn't help you. So he was rejected by those closest to him and betrayed, and he's wrongfully accused. There are stories about how he was imprisoned for things that he didn't do because people were mad at him because he was a good man, and they were jealous of his reputation, so they accused him of things, and they got authorities to throw him in prison. And at one point in his life, he's totally abandoned. He's alone, just him, and God, he's in jail for stuff he didn't do. His brothers have abandoned him. His brothers have rejected him. His brothers have betrayed him. Where does he turn? Another way it's interesting is he was sold for 20 pieces of silver. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Who else was sold for silver? 30 pieces of silver. Inflation, I guess. But still, 20 pieces of silver. But something else interesting happens with Joseph. He was raised to power to provide mercy. As the story goes... He was a smart man. He was a hardworking man. And later on in his life, he gained favor with Pharaoh. And the scripture says he became number two in charge of Egypt, right underneath Pharaoh. He could have been very vengeful. There was a time when his brothers, there was a famine in the land and his family couldn't eat. They couldn't find anything. And they're, what are we supposed to do? And I know we'll go to Egypt and we'll see if we can find food there because there's none here because of this famine and this drought. So they go there. Joseph finds out his family has entered into the city gate. And he says, bring these people to me. And the whole night before, they're waiting. And he's thinking, I can imagine what's going through Joseph's mind, right? These people, they threw me in the pit. I was crying for help. They didn't help me. Now I'm number two in Egypt. I have more money than I could ever imagine. I have power over all the food in Egypt and all these things. I'm the one in charge of making, so I have all the power. And at first he comes to them and he disguises himself because he doesn't want them to see who he is. But, but then later on he grants them food and he reveals who he is. I'm your brother. He could have used his power to be very vengeful. He could have used his power to rightfully throw them in a pit. He could have used his power to be just as treacherous as those who had betrayed him. But he wasn't. He used his power to rescue his family from starvation. It's an amazing story. 
So now let's look at the theological. What in the world? I think that's God approving. Yes, you got that right, Joe. You don't want to know what goes on the hour after we're done. You don't want to know. You don't want to know. Theological. Jesus is despised, rejected, and betrayed. I'm going to read to you a passage from Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 5. This is about Jesus, a prophecy of Jesus. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, familiar with feeling grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we gave him no value. Surely he bore our griefs, he carried our sorrows, yet we thought of him as stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. There's very good similarities between Joseph and Jesus on this. Let's look at them. A couple, for example, Jesus was rejected by those closest to him. Did you know his own family before his disciples, his own family rejected him? In John chapter 7, I'm going to read this. This is Jesus' brothers and sisters. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand, so his brothers said to him, Why don't you leave and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing? For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, if you really can do these things, why don't you show yourself to the world? For not even his own brothers believed in him. He was rejected by his own family and his own people. Jewish people rejected him later on. He was rejected by his disciples. Peter denied him three times and, and the rest of them were scared and running and hiding. They didn't want to be associated with Jesus because they would get killed. And so he was rejected by the people he worked and walked and slept and talked with for three years and discipled all those things. He was rejected and betrayed by them. Even his own heavenly father rejected him when he said, my God, my God, why have you forgotten me? He was wrongfully accused. Matter of fact, in John 15, 25, but the world, but the word that is written in their law must be filled that they hated me without a cause. He was wrongfully accused by the religious establishment, the temple. He was wrongfully accused by the civil authorities. And he was sentenced to die a death he did not deserve with people who did deserve it. The thieves on the cross. Isaiah 53, 10, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days, the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And then look at this. He was sold for silver too. Judas sold him. You see the similarities? They're amazing. And then he was raised to power for the purpose of mercy, just like Joseph was. So with that in mind, you see the similarities, right? Can you imagine the night before what thoughts Joseph had in his head as he was about to come face to face with his brothers who had treated him so poorly? Knowing that he had the power to make them feel all the things they made him feel and even worse. I mean, read the story sometime. You'll be amazed. And take note of Joseph's behavior right before they met with him. It was not an easy choice. I believe if you read the story, Joseph was kind of struggling with how he was going to handle this situation. I'm in a weird spot here now. These guys who betrayed me, 
and rejected me, I could really bring some stuff down on them. Can you imagine, flip it around, how Joseph's brothers must have felt the moment that Joseph, who they rejected and betrayed, accepted them, loved them in tears, crying with them, forgiving them, and giving them all they need to live? Can you imagine how the brothers must have felt? What? I mean, at first when they see it's Joseph, oh no, we are in big trouble. We deceived this guy, we betrayed this guy, we rejected him, and now he's number two in Egypt. We're toast. And Joseph says, no, you're not. You're my brothers. I forgive you. And can you imagine, like, at first they go from incredible fear to like, wait, what? You're not going to reject us after what we did to you? So let's look at the historical part of this, or the devotional part of this. Rejection and betrayal makes acceptance that much sweeter. So we talked about the emotions of Joseph and his brothers. Can you imagine the emotions of Jesus in the midst of being rejected and betrayed by those he wanted to save? Not just his disciples, mind you, but the high priests, all the Jewish people. And some of the Roman soldiers were certainly probably Jewish. People that are whipping him and beating him in the street while he's carrying the cross, spitting on him, beating him, calling him all kind of names. You know, there's different types of rejection that we face. There's rejection of family, right? And when family betrays us, that, that's, that's painful. Sometimes our friends can betray us or reject us. Sometimes society, for whatever reason, will reject us or betray us. Sometimes we get our rejection in employment when we get fired for not, you know, not, not for anything that we've done, but somebody doesn't like us or somebody accuses us of something and, and the job gets hard. Sometimes we're rejected in sports, like when you're picked last for basketball because you're short and fat and white like me. Sometimes we are rejected through education. Sometimes we're even rejected by church. Rejection and betrayal can come from almost every quarter of your life. There is not one place in your life that is immune from you being betrayed. Whenever there's an opportunity for an interaction or relationship with a human, there's an opportunity for betrayal. And it really is, quite frankly, almost a gamble every time you enter into these relationships. And it's hard because the stakes are so high. Then there's the sting of rejection. So you guys have heard me joke a little bit about being fired from churches before, right? Can I, can I just be vulnerable with you this morning? Maybe you'll be a little bit uncomfortable with this. I want to explain to you why those experiences have stuck with me so much. I mean, just like you, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I don't struggle with the pain of rejection that feels like betrayal. Because every time, it's weird that I say that every time I got fired as a pastor, right? <laughs> every time I was fired as a pastor, <laughs> it was a very high level of betrayal for me. Guys, it, it literally every time, all three crushed my heart. Was I bitter? Absolutely. Was I hurt? Absolutely. I mean, 
I had a church family. And at that moment, I believed that my church family broke my heart. We don't want you here anymore. I wanted to know why. Especially when, when I thought through it, the best I could tell, the rejection was unfair. I wanted to bargain. What if I do this or what if I do that? I wanted a second chance. No, 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 you don't understand. That's just a misunderstanding. And then there came a point where it started to shift from bargaining to a second chance to I wanted to impose my own righteous judgment on them to prove that they were wrong. I wanted to return the favor. And then it would turn all to anger. I began, and this is where it gets sick. This is where your pastor has a problem with sin, just like, you know, two or three of you. I would fantasize about turning the tables so that I could be the rejector. Make them feel what I felt. Envisioning how their faces would look. Envisioning their pitiful bargaining. Isn't that sick? I mean, it is, right? Like, yes, it's, it's normal, but it's still sick. I'm a pastor. I get fired. I mean, I wish I could fire you guys. Not you. I like you guys. You can stay, but... Guys, do you think Jesus felt any of those emotions? These people that I came to save, they're beating me. They're whipping me. They're hammering a nail of thorns into my head. They're calling me all these horrible, vile names. They're about to hang me on a cross with a couple of other thieves and kill me. Why do I want to die for these people? And then my heavenly dad... Who could take care of all this in a moment? He's nowhere to be found. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Guys, that's what makes the acceptance that Jesus gives us all that more noble. Copyright. Daryl gave me that line. It was very good. That's what makes Jesus' acceptance of us so much more noble. Look, there is a benefit of rejection, though. It gives us a chance for some empathy with Jesus, but also another part I'll flip around for you in just a minute. I learned after all those times of being fired, I learned a couple things. First of all, I'd never work for a church again. That didn't work out so good. But I did learn this, that the pain gives me greater appreciation for what Jesus went through. Remembering how I felt toward those that rejected and betrayed me gives me wonderment, astonishment for the grace and mercy that I get from Jesus. Have you ever felt rejection or betrayal? Can you see how that could lead to you having a greater appreciation of being accepted by Jesus? Because you put yourself in that situation. These people that betrayed me, I don't want to help them at all. Yet Jesus helps us. Better yet, have you ever been the rejecter? Have you ever been the betrayer? Well, just like Joseph's brothers betrayed and rejected Joseph, we have all betrayed and rejected Jesus. In fact, 
You have rejected him your whole life until he called you out of darkness into light. You, a rejecter and betrayer, calls you out of darkness by the gift of faith. And we have rejected him and betrayed him with a smirk, some of us. That's silly to believe in that guy. And disdain. I hate the whole Jesus thing. Some of us have rejected him through ambivalence. Eh, I don't care. Some of us have rejected him through religious self-reliance. I'm going to do it on my own. Some of us reject him through willful sinfulness. Immorality, addiction, lying, stealing. We reject him by choice. No, I don't want grace and mercy. I want sinfulness and selfishness. Some of us have betrayed him and rejected him simply because we love what the world offers way too much. Our jewelry, our cars, our houses, our money, whatever it is. And I promise you this, had we been around when Jesus was, I promise you, we would have rejected him then too, even as he went to the cross for us. What, you think you're better than the Romans? You think you're better than the religious? You think you're better than his family, his brothers? You think you're better than his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and all those guys who denied him and ran away? No, you're not. You would have rejected him then too. And once we realize that we are accepted by the one who we rejected and betrayed, there is a flood of astonishment and joy and bewilderment that will overcome your soul. You know why the first time you recognize Jesus as your Savior, it's so emotional? Do you know why? Because you put yourself in the place of Joseph's brothers. Wait, what? You're not going to return the favor? You're going to act as though none of that ever happened? You're going to take me and make me your own, even though my whole life was spent coming up with ways to avoid being connected to you, you're going to drag me, according to the passage we, we preached on last week, you're going to drag me kicking and screaming over to grace, even though I rejected and betrayed you the whole time? See, that's the miracle, guys, of acceptance by Jesus. He accepts us in the midst of being rejected and betrayed by us. It's not like, well, you, you rejected me and you betrayed me. Now I'm going to let you uh, see if you, you know, improve for a little while. Get your act together. Let's see how you do. Let's see how it goes. All right, now I'll come into your life. Isn't that how we kind of approach Jesus a lot of times? Well, yeah, no, I got some things I got to take care of first. I got things to work out in my life, and then I'll finally get to way where I can be connected to God again. No, in the midst of us saying, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want you. I want this. I want that. I want the world. I want these things. I want religion. I don't want you. He says, I don't care what you want. I want you. And he drags you over and accepts you and makes you part of the family of God. Even in the midst of you saying, no, 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 I don't want you. He says, that's not your choice. Because I'll tell you this, to fully appreciate being accepted by Jesus, you must first see yourself as one of Joseph's brothers. 
Does that make sense? If you can see yourself as one of Joseph's brothers, then you finally start to get a glimpse into what this Christianity thing is all about. It's not about how good you are at following the list of rules. It's not about how good you are at prayer. It's not how good you are at church attendance. All of some of you could be better. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's not about any of that. It's about this. The one you rejected and betrayed has accepted you because he has the authority to do so. Man, Jesus, we are stunned, astonished by the fact that we, just like Joseph's brothers, betrayed you and rejected you, and yet for some reason, you accepted us anyway. You didn't wait for us to work on things. You didn't wait for us to prove ourselves to you that we were worthy of this blessing. You just said, you know what? You rejected me and betrayed me. I'm going to bless you anyway. Lord, thank you that the concept of rejection gives us insight into the miracle of acceptance. Help us live in the reality that we, the rejectors, have been accepted by you.